storms across the country. But have you ever watched the trees at the height of a severe storm? There are those that sway back and forth, bending under the force of the wind. The wind howls through their branches, shaking them so violently that you are sure that they will be ripped up at any moment. As you watch the treetops being brutally beaten by the wind, you are quite certain that the trees will be totally wrecked. Leaves stripped off, branches broken, and lying on the ground. We fully expect that the whole tree might be ripped right out of the ground and tossed to one side. But somehow that tree manages to withstand the pulling and jerking of the wind. And when the wind dies down, the tree still stands straight and tall. On the other hand, there are those trees of similar size whose thickest branches come crashing down under the strain of the wind. On several occasions, driving around the county and driving particularly through the forest or out in the Cotswolds, I've come across many trees that have fallen across the road and have had to turn back. And so the wind had taken them from their roots. They had simply snapped off or were uprooted. We were never quite sure when I seen them what that next tree would be. Would there be another one as I turned back? I realize that there are botanical explanations as to why trees respond differently to the wind, but they provide an excellent illustration of life itself and the nature of the Christian faith. All the trees experience the same bio-breaking wind. They are threatened with total destruction or at best to have all their leaves and branches stripped from them. But we notice that while some are destroyed, others come through the storm standing straight and tall with very little damage. We might also apply this to people. All people face destructive storms and the possibility of being totally flattened is always a reality. But you may have noticed that some people who experience the worst situations that life can throw at them come through it all with amazing strength and confidence. Instead of the storm weakening them, shaking them to their very roots, they seem to get through it intact and stand tall and confident. When we're able to, you come to this church Sunday after Sunday, or at the minute you join us Sunday after Sunday over Zoom on online services. You hear Bible readings. We pray together. We receive Holy Communion on your behalf. Receive a blessing and you either go home or you go back to what you were doing at home. Why do you do that? Now only each of us individually can answer that question. Maybe your answer to that might be that you recognize what amazing things God has done for you and want to give him honor, thanks and praise. Or maybe your answer will reflect your need to be equipped and strengthened for whatever is happening in your life at this particular moment. Or it might be that you don't know why you're here, why you have joined us, or why when you're able, you come to church. Everything is going well in your life, but you just needed to come. Whatever your answer, you see a connection between this hour of worship together, whether in person or over Zoom, you join with the rest of your congregation and your community 
and it sets you up for the rest of the week. I assume that your presence here means that you are taking God and his promises seriously. But taking God seriously is no piece of cake. Sometimes we feel so inadequate, we let ourselves down so often, let alone disappointing God. Sometimes we really try to make a difference and to be different, to change, but we find ourselves going down the same old paths, going through the motions each Sunday. That's fairly easy. That's somewhat painless. But letting God be part of each day and each moment, that's quite another thing. In fact, sometimes it's really tough. It could well happen that while you are worshipping, you feel as if God has really given you the strength and confidence you need. But when it comes to going back to what you are doing or going out to face others, it's a very different matter. Suddenly, you find that that strength and confidence has vanished. Now, this kind of experience is nothing new. Recall how the disciples felt when they were with Jesus. They felt strong. They felt like there was nothing they couldn't do. They went out on a mission once and came back with glowing reports. Guess what? We even cast out demons in Jesus' name. That's unbelievable. Remember Peter in a boat with the disciples. There was a severe storm and the boat was tossed about by the waves. The disciples see Jesus coming towards them, walking on water. How does Peter feel? At first, he's afraid, but then he feels strong, like nothing can stop him, and he gets out of the boat and starts walking on water towards Jesus, for a while at least. Then comes the Easter weekend. Jesus is dead, and his body lies in the tomb. And where are those brave disciples without Jesus? They're very, very quiet. Days later, even after reports of the resurrection, the gospel writers report that they are afraid. They meet together behind closed doors. With Jesus, they have so much courage. Without him, they are a bunch of wimps. <clears throat> Before Jesus went back to heaven, he promised, when I leave, I won't leave you powerless, unequipped, or alone. I will send my spirit, the comforter, the helper, the equipper, the strong one, the one who brings you to God, who helps you to pray, who reveals the truth about God, who helps, guides, and supports you in every aspect of your life. I'm going back to the Father, but I will still be here with you through the Spirit. And after Pentecost, we see those disciples once again, brave, strong, empowered, and ready to make a difference in the world. The gospel reading this morning includes Mark's account of Jesus's baptism. Jesus is just about ready to step out and begin something new. He knows what has to be done. He knows that the future will be tough and the road ahead filled with hatred, with mockery, pain, and ultimate dying. He is baptized and the spirit of God comes down on him accompanied by the reassuring voice of the father. You are my own dear son. I am pleased with you. If there were any doubt, any fears, any reticence to step out, uncertainty and anxiety, here at the River Jordan, the Father affirms the Son 
rests on him. The same spirit is there for you and I, to make us strong, to give us courage, to help us make a difference, to change our attitude to the struggles that we are facing, to give us faith in the God whose love for us never decreases. Through the Spirit, it says to you, know to whom you, are, you belong, you're mine. Your baptism is proof of that. If you are mine, then I'm on your side. I'm for you, not against you. When you face a difficult situation, it's the two of us facing it together, even though you might not know that I am there, but we are in it together. You can make a difference because I'm with you, and if anyone can make a difference, I can. This is not only applicable to us as individuals, but it also applies to us as a church. Here in this church are a whole lot of people, well, not this morning, but usually, but in the community of this church, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people, and it can be hard for us to wonder if we are really getting through. For example, being a parent can be frustrating and tiring, and you question whether you really have what it takes to guide your children through those difficult growing stages. You call on someone who is sick or grieving or facing family turmoil, wanting to make a difference in their lives, and you come away puzzled, saying to yourself, I didn't say what I wanted to say. I don't think my visit made any difference to the way that person feels. Whatever it is we take on in the church, Satan and our own sinfulness are always ready to put us down and to discourage us from keeping on doing what God wants us to do. It also happens that Satan sometimes enlists some of our fellow church members and causes us to question whether our use of our time and talents is really worth it and to devalue what we have been doing. It's not hard to become discouraged and disappointed, but knowing God says, you are mine, I love you, I am with you, and knowing his spirit accompanies us makes one heck of a difference to what we do. And there's another thing that we see in our gospel reading today from Mark. Jesus receives this affirmation from God the Father and knows the spirit rests on him. And the very next thing we see is that that spirit made him go into the desert where he stayed 40 days being tempted by Satan. One moment, Jesus is affirmed by the voice of God, feels the presence of the divine surround him as he is baptized, and the next moment, he's thrown down into the darkest place where God seems to be absent, and there are only questions, doubts, and fears. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had a mountaintop experience where you feel so close to God, so strong, and before you know it, you're plunged into the valley of death, which is just so opposite to what it was like before? This can also happen in the life of a congregation or a community. One minute we are traveling along really well, then a number of setbacks, and we begin to wonder if we are really making any difference to the life of our community. It's interesting to note that it is the Spirit who leads Jesus into the wilderness. There Jesus was tempted and tested by Satan. But was Jesus alone in the valley of the shadow of death? No, 
It should hardly surprise us that the spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness was there with him during his times of temptation. When things are hard for you, when you can't see light at the end of the tunnel, when things for us as a church are a struggle, does God leave us to our own devices? Not on your Nelly. He goes with us into the valley because he wants us to come out better equipped, stronger, even more courageous than before. He affirms and he tests because he wants to change something. He wants to change something brittle, something easily bent, something fragile into something strong and durable and usable in his own hands. It's true that sometimes we ask God to make us strong and help us, and we want that to happen now. But God's timing and ways are a little different to ours. I bet Jesus wanted out of that desert, out of that wilderness, out of those temptations a couple of days after going in. But God's timing was different. He was to spend 40 days in that wilderness being tempted. But God shapes and molds and bends. He bends each of us as he bent Jesus, and he tests us just as Jesus was tested. But he never leaves us on our own devices. Some of us have a harder testing than others. But one thing we know about God, and that is that he is gracious, loving, wants the best for each and every one of us, his children. Be certain that the Holy Spirit never, ever deserts you. You might think he has, but the promise that Jesus gives is as solid as you can get. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. The helper, the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything. If things are tough right now, learn from them. Ask God to teach you. During this period of Lent, leading up to Good Friday and Easter. Let us ask God that question each and every day as we try and spend time in his presence. Teach me. Teach me how to be stronger and more confident. Teach me to truly be your child. Not only that, but we need to be open. So let's open our hearts and our minds as we ask God those questions. And let us be sure of his presence with us. Jesus has promised that. So let's use this time of Lent as a time of reflection, a time of growth, a time of learning, that we may go through this period being taken apart, but being built up into stronger, more confident individuals and a community that we can go out and say, as Jesus said, this is the good news and let us share it with one another and with all those whom we meet in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
And so we declare.